0: plushcare.com slash weight loss a lot can happen in the next three years like a chat bot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times
1: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Johara Tunduk and Cavan. Discover the all-new Renault Arcana at Blackstone Motors that comes with a five-year warranty. Call us now to arrange a test drive or visit
2: blackstonemotors.ie for more details.
3: Welcome to Late Lunch this Friday afternoon. Let's get straight to business. De-stigmatization of mental health is a double-edged sword that may be causing more harm than good. You sit up when you uh, absorb and think about those words and especially when they come from Professor Patricia Casey who's a consultant psychiatrist at the Hermitage Medical Centre uh, in Dublin and Professor Emeritus of Psychiatry at UCD and she joins us again the show. I love talking to her. Hello Patricia.
1: Hello and thanks very much for having me on. I love being on the show.
3: Oh, thank you so much indeed. It's 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 compliments fired each way and it's a great way to start today, I have to say. <laughs> but Patricia, seriously, when I read those words from you, destigmatization of mental health, a double-edged sword, what do you
1: mean? Well, everybody believes that it's good to talk about mental illness that, you know, people are no longer afraid to admit that they have depression or anxiety or phobias or indeed severe mental illness like bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. that's, That's all good that people can admit that. On the other hand, there's there's a further problem, which is that when people talk about mental health, they often associate it with just the ordinary problems of living that people go through. They think that um, it's a mental health issue if you're worried about something. Or with COVID, people were said to be having mental health issues just because they were fed up with COVID and fed up with being locked down. So I, I think when people don't use the terms correctly and extend mental health and mental illness to include just these these conditions that are not signs of illness at all, it becomes quite dangerous and I think that is what has happened. Um, It hasn't been helped by COVID because as I say, people talk about the mental health issues. People say to me all the time, there must be huge mental health problems facing you and I say, well well, no I mean, people are certainly fed up with it, but they're not developing mental illnesses that require treatment. Uh, And and so I think we have to keep that in mind. The other thing that hasn't helped it, of course, is Prince Harry, because Prince Harry keeps talking about mental health issues, and he, he, I remember when he and Megan were about to leave, they talked about you know, how, how difficult it was being in the royal family and, and that the, there were mental health issues there, but they didn't actually have psychiatric disorders so if we make problems of living and you know the fact that we don't get on with our in-laws and that kind of thing, an indicator of mental illness, well then, you know, we're all mentally ill if that's the case. Yes, I think you... we need to get back to a much more rest- Stricted it. understanding of mental illness and remember that mental illness isn't just depression and anxiety it's also the more serious conditions like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder about which people are much more reticent to speak even now
3: so your message today is that we all look patricia you and i sometimes we're sad other times we're happy we all experience grief in our lifetimes we can be anxious about things these are all natural responses and shouldn't really you know be exaggerated is that what you're saying
1: that's exactly what I'm saying. And in the book that I've just written for the public called Fears, Phobias and Fantasies, I talk about some of, some of that stuff in in the book. You know, on how do you distinguish what is mental illness from what is a normal reaction? Mm. And indeed, if we didn't have these normal reactions, if we didn't you know, get distressed when we've had fights with our in-laws, or if we didn't get fed up about COVID, we would actually be abnormal. That would be the abnormal thing, not the fact that we're getting these feelings. But if we didn't get them, that would be abnormal because, you know, we, we are emotional beings and we, we, we experience a range of emotions. It's when they become problematic and interfere with our lives and we don't function because of it. Like, you know, we're so depressed, we can't get out of bed to go to work or we're so anxious, we can't going to a shop or we can't you know meet 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 people socially that's a different matter Mm. from just the ordinary distress
3: yes now while you allude to the pandemic there can i ask you this you know you hear a lot of throwaway comments saying oh there's a mental health pandemic itself coming down the tracks because of the covid pandemic is that exaggeration
1: I think it is. I think it's dangerous hyperbole because there there is a there is a danger that I think people um, who 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 never before thought they had a mental health problem will now think that they have or should have one because it's been talked about so much. So I, I think we need to be careful about the language we use. I don't think there is going to be a mental health pandemic because of COVID. What you will find is that people. Who may have had to wait for appointments with psychiatrists and psychologists because of covid um, their, their symptoms will get worse there people you know who the people who have pre existing mental health conditions will be exacerbated by either not being able to see people in person or by delays because of closures. But but these are people who already had pre-existing conditions. Um, I, I do not believe that COVID itself will, in, will itself cause very many problems. It may be. There may be the odd person who, because of COVID, will develop a new condition. Um, you know, because, for example, an elderly person who 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 loses loses the support they had prior to COVID. You know, they can't visit their family uh, um, until recently, or their friends. They can't visit their friends, or some of their friends may have died. I think those people who who have risk risk factors may may come a cropper. But I think for the vast majority of of people. They'll be glad to be um, to, to be through COVID. Glad that things are opening up, and I believe will not suffer major mental mental illness or mental health problems of any sort. Mm.
3: Now, I've spoken to people through the years here on the show who've told me their stories, Patricia, genuinely of being mentally ill and what that entailed and it is a shocking place to find yourself in who've recovered and come through and been able to tell the story and it's powerful stuff when you hear it. What do you reckon, you know, that type of thing in, you know, uh, opening up about mental health and the discussion around it compared to, you know, you mentioned Prince Harry and others and publicity campaigns and things like that. Where do you stand of one versus the other?
1: I think the, the what you suggest that people who have come through mental illness speaking about it, speaking about their journey, speaking about the difficulties and about the treatments they've had is very positive and I fully support that and in fact in, in, in the book that I have written as I mentioned earlier Fierce Phobias and Fantasies some patients, it's a book for the public and some people who actually had and have mental health problems contributed to that. They're, they're highlighted in the book in, in blue pages So they stand out so that people could tell their story and so that people reading the book and indeed, you know, on on programs, radio and TV programs, when people speak about their recovery, that people will hear about it and that will give hope to people rather than, and positivity, rather than the negativity of predicting gloom and despair for everybody.
3: Yes, yes, I I know where you're coming from there. We have come a long way in terms of discussing, you know, I don't have to tell you, if you go back to in your career as well, this was something that was swept under the carpet, really, you know, uh, the elephant or, or whatever in the room, and we're not taking away from that, or you're not, by any means.
1: no. No, I'm not. And it was difficult. It was terrible. And people, you know, couldn't get jobs because of if there was any history of mental illness, their families often did, didn't want to know them. Um, people themselves didn't want to talk about it. And, and that was the case probably right up to the 1990s. And then things began to to, to turn around. Um, um, I don't want them to turn too far, though, so that so the serious mental illness is ignored and the minor, minor um, symptoms of distress are turned into into major uh, conditions. You know, we don't want to be medicalizing normal problems of living. Um, but yes, things, as you said, were were terrible. And that was symbolized. In the big mental hospitals you know on the outskirts of towns you know with, with yeah. walls around them some of that of course was because they didn't there was no medication available and you know people had to be in hospital for life unfortunately because they didn't have treatments and of course that has all changed through, from the 1960s onwards and gradually the hospitals opened up and then the stigma was more the, the destigmatization was more slow to follow but then that began to turn around in the 1990s and now I think we're having um, you know the, the extreme dreams at the the,
3: the other end in the, you know, at at present. Mm. From your professional uh, work and experience, do you believe that there's enough being done? I've had stories as well of families who've been distressed and, uh, you know, mental health illness, it it affects the individual but the people directly surrounding them, family and friends, are impacted severely as well and you'll hear from time to time of shocking stories where people find it hard to get help and people don't know where to go. Is is
1: that still big issue it's a huge issue it's a huge issue and when people people's relatives tell me all the time that they cannot get to speak to um, often the consultant psychiatrist because they will say you know we, we need you know because of confidentiality and some psychiatrists unfortunately not all but some um, misinterpret confidentiality as meaning they can never talk to a relative but of course if a person gives, gives consent they can um, but I know I know of some psychiatrists and stories of some psychiatrists who even when, when when they got the consent of the patient still refused to speak to a family member on the grounds of confidentiality. It's a bit like the seal of, of, of confessional, you know, that's how it's yeah. treated. But, you know, people should be able to freely talk with the consent of the person to a psychiatrist if the person doesn't consent. Well, what I do with the person, supposedly a patient of mine says, no, I don't want you talking to a family member. I say, well, look, these are the questions your family member will want to ask me. I know that they'll want to know what the diagnosis is, what your treatment is, and what the follow-up arrangements are, and what the prognosis is. You know, they won't want to know the innermost secrets that you may have told me, and I wouldn't disclose them. I cannot disclose them. I do not intend to. But just they want very simple, they have simple questions, basic questions that any any relative, any love would want to know about their loved one. And and all mostly, I don't think I've ever had a patient refused me to talk to a relative. When you explain, that's what they want to know. They don't want to know, you know, what your sexual orientation is or, you know, whether you're smoking pot or not. What they want to know is what your diagnosis, treatment and prognosis is. Yeah. and and you know it's, it's, it's possible it's very easy to navigate that with most patients
3: Patricia you're wonderful anytime I speak to you I just feel reassured and I'm so I'm sure my listeners do too just to mention again the book it's out a little while but it's a great one it really is folks fears phobias and fantasies understanding mental illness and mental health it's uh, published by Couric Books and uh, Professor Patricia Casey is the author thank you for taking time to join us today I always appreciate it
1: and it's a great pleasure to- to be with you.
3: Thank you. Bye bye. Take care Patricia. That's Professor Patricia Casey there. She's a wonderful wonderful lady. Interesting isn't it? Interesting view she has on you know, awareness, campaigns people speaking out, the good it does, the not so good Interesting Thought-provoking indeed Around a big, big topic You're with Late Lunch On LMFM Radio This Friday afternoon Short break And I'm back With your riddle Oh Louise You should have been with me In the car last night
1: (laughs) Did you get there?
3: I got there Keith Barry's book launch Was last night Oh we had a great evening Margaret Madden And Declan Were there as well And lots of others I met It was wonderful His new book Brain Hacks Uh, Such an enjoyable evening But you know I was worried about getting there How would I I take take the train? I drove Jesus your woman on the sat-nav was <laughs> she was cursing me she was shouting at me she said at the end I give up and she went off she wouldn't talk to me She's anymore
1: had a fallout. were you that bad
3: I was that bad I have to say but I oh it's so changed driving Dublin the city centre I got there I don't know how I got there and I arrived in at a minute to seven just before now it didn't start at seven all right but geez, have you heard your woman on the sat-nav to me <laughs> and, and did you try the sat-nav today or are you still getting the silent treatment you think? Silence is golden. <laughs> she won't talk to me anymore. I'm going to have to have a word with her. So I'm... Anyway, I made it and a great night was had be all and we'll be talking to Keith in due course about his new book. Anyway, you ready for the riddle? Are you ready, Miss uh, Walsh? Uh, Are you ready? Go on. Listen carefully. Here's your riddle on Friday. 086-1800-658. You need that number to WhatsApp or text your answer. 086-1800-658. Listen carefully. If a hen and a half lay an egg and a half... In a day and a half, how many eggs will half a dozen hens lay in half a dozen days? <laughs> it's a good one, isn't it? Well, Do I you say know once... I think my Uncle Paul had told me this about years <laughs> okay, ago and I, I still can't remember I'm really. going to say it once more. So, if a hen and a half lay an egg and a half in a day and a half, how many eggs will half a dozen hens lay in half a dozen days? I want to know how many, how many eggs. Answers, please, to 086 1800 658. I have a lovely prize to send out to one of on late lunch this afternoon. Don't say it. I'm not going to say anything. I was going to ask a question there, but... uh Do what your woman did on the sat-nav to me this morning (laughs) And when I finished off last night, say nothing Anyway, good luck with the riddle (laughs) Uh, And coming up, just reminding you after two on the show Michal McKeown, successful businessman from Kells Is joining us for a catch-up But heading to news and weather at two o'clock Yes, it's Irish Music Month And today we are going to hear from the brilliant Amy Toot from Dundalk With her song, Chasing Trouble, She's Brilliant
1: I'm chasing trouble. I'm still to cross the line. Might be in danger. But danger's what I like. I think I'm digging. Digging my own grave. But I ain't got no Got no time. You are the one who
3: left me The Riddle <laughs> Mary's been on to me from trim to say May I have two shots at it, Jerry. Well Mary, now hold on a minute. You've one opportunity here, but anyway, Mary said thinks it's one egg is the answer or six eggs. Well, Mary, you may have a third shot at it because neither is right. Bernie and Andrada thinks it's four. Sorry, Bernie. Maddie and Navin, nine eggs. Uh-uh, sorry. Magella says 12. Oh, my old friend, Magella. You'll need more than that, Magella, to be honest with you. 36 says Kit Mead and Rad Kenny. Jesus, Kit. It's a lot of eggs. No, no, Kit, no. 16, Margaret, Dylan and R.D. Oh, you're all wrong. You're all wrong. There's a few you're right, all right, I'll give it one more time. This is it, last time. The riddle on Friday. If a hen and a half lay an egg and a half in a day and a half, how many eggs will half a dozen hens lay in half a dozen days? What's the answer? How many eggs? 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show and we'll pick a winner before the end of Late Lunch this afternoon. Now, it's just looking back. My next guest joined me first. I can't believe this. It's eight years ago in November 2013, and we had a wonderful chat. I remember it well to this day here on the show. He's a great fella. He really is. He's a businessman to the core. He's had knocks in his lifetime. But I think of that song, I get knocked down and I get up again when I think of Micheál McKeown and he's on the line. Hello again, Micheál. Hiya, Jerry! and good to talk to you again. And great to have you on the show with us. Well, 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 a good man. You can't put him down, ever. I always say that. Park, uh, the new park, Parkry Kell, celebrating a year open in October. Michal, had you rocks in your head a year ago.
4: Well, I had lots of rocks in the site, Jerry. I can assure you. <laughs> it, was a, it was a big job, yeah, three and a half acre job. Uh, and there was a lot of uh, earth moving and other stuff like that to be done. Just to mention, imagine you haven't spoken in eight years, Jerry. That's off.
3: It's amazing to think that are uh, uh, incredible, but the way time flies by, Michal, and
4: we it haven't isn't been. It I can't believe it's eight years either. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of work there, Jerry. But well, I had this idea because I had been in the business in the in the shop business and deli business, and mm. anybody who comes to or has been through tells. In years, the last 20 years, will know of uh, our place on Peckham Street. Mm. Where we're very famous for all of our food. So um, after, of course, I had, uh, as you well know, uh, gotten uh, rid of my motor business, or got rid of me, so to speak. Mm. Uh, obviously, the entrepreneur in me wanted to do something different. And the one, I suppose, well, you're better off than the devil you know than the devil you don't know. So I uh, thought that this was something that uh, I always liked because it was very... I suppose it is very customer focused. Mm. And if you do a good job and give good value and uh, are nice to people, people come back. Mm. And I've proven that time and time over the years. But that was the reason I was lucky enough, I suppose, to have uh, two very good partners with me Damien, who's with me now 21 years. He's my operations director. Damien Duffy. Damien Duffy, the very man. And David Kirk, mm. who is my financial director. And both of these guys gave me lots of encouragement. Uh, Along the way, and of course, without them, it couldn't be gone at all. There's absolutely no way, Derry that I would have taken this on. A huge project that it is. Mm. Uh, so that's really what happened. No, I have rocks in my head. And I think <laughs> it has been proven now since that uh, the success yeah. of the yeah. old venture is uh, has been really, really uh, uplifting.
3: Yeah, no, it, and 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 it's, it's acknowledged as such that it it is something really unique. And as well as that, look at the uh, employment it's given. What one have you about a hundred people working there?
4: Yes, we have. We look when we set out. First of all, when Minister McIntyre opened uh, it on our first day, we actually said we had eighty-four people mm. uh, employed uh, on the uh, in the business. It has grown, Jerry, uh, despite the COVID and all the restrictions. Uh, it has grown and we now have 100 people that fluctuates it was 105 there uh, in the latter part of June, July, or July and August mm. and of course now uh, kids go back to school and without the kids and the people in college you know you have no business and there are some fantastic young people out there there's no doubt about it I try to know them all by name with these uh, with the masks and all that on them it's very difficult but I do I do try my best to know we're a big team Jerry yeah. and uh, the whole thing about that is that they're all part of the big team and we, we all enjoy it a lot.
3: That's yeah, and and you know, that mask thing is a factor. Sure, I walk by people I know and I don't even recognise them and they don't recognise me because of the bloody mask thing. It's, a, it's a, just a, a, a an offshoot of having to wear them, but it is important to wear them and take care and do all of that Absolutely. stuff. It really is important to mention that. Now, you're on the cabin road there, I know, beside the Aldi store. I, I, I yeah. know it well. Yeah. A question for you. You know, you have the great new road bypassing Kells with all those roundabouts heading on for Virginia and Cavan and when you are, are a little bit off it, but obviously the business comes to you where you are there.
4: Well you see, you've got to realise, Jerry, that you know, a lot of people who wouldn't maybe understand this business think that you have to have cars passing by your door every day. Mm. In fact, that is a very good thing, but it's not be all and end all of everything. Chimney pots, as we all know, makes business. So being on the edge of a town, where on the one hand I have the school next door, I have also alley next door, and I'm in the middle or on the edge of Kells for the six thousand people plus the environs of Kells. Now, would I be better off on the M3 halfway up to Dublin? Yes, that is. I don't think I would mm. because I the people wouldn't. A walk out of the, we have a walk around the town for i sake where people use our car park and uh, have a walk. It's a lovely walk that the, the local authorities have, have developed. And all of that is not possible. Now, the people who were on the motorways during the pandemic suffered very, very much, whereas we didn't. Right? Because we only opened, Lord bless us, anybody would think that I should be, should be second for having opened during the pandemic. But it also gave us the opportunity to settle in. And get our staff used to, you know, the new environs and all the rest. But the whole thing that we had staff hired from January and we didn't open it in October. So we had a huge cost uh, problem because we were closed down building process in, in about uh, well, in March and we didn't get so we were three months behind. Mm. So we were having all of our staff were completely trained on health and safety and food safety and all that stuff. So we didn't take them off the street and expect them to run the marathon, so to speak. Mm. So uh, we had a lot. honestly, I believe that being on the edge of a town has its advantages. Of course, if you are uh, on the likes of the M1, that's a completely different business. Uh, uh, To that extent as much, what we have our offering, Jerry, is a completely different offering than you would get on the motorway. By that I mean. All of our food is cooked in house, mm. so it is. I always I kind of call it the evoke experience because everything, even our baking, is done in house. We have, uh, you know, we have five chefs in in, in business, and uh, we have only recently just uh, opened our new restaurant. Now I having a proper restaurant on the first floor called Cook of Kells Bistro, and we are getting phenomenal. Uh, uh, comes from our customers, all of whom are coming back. But if people don't know where it is, because I think everything goes on downstairs, we have it open from from six o'clock in the evening from Thursday through to Sunday until nine o'clock. We have a full bar and everything up there. So we cater for anybody who wants, uh, you know, parties who cater for people coming in on a one, ones and twos or whatever they want to do. But they, uh, even if I say so, and I would of course, the food is excellent.
3: <laughs> well, you're going to say nothing else, but I've heard, I've heard on the Grapevine I, you know your reputation is building and you have such a selection of stuff there. I love the Kells Kitchen, you know, play on the word Hell's Kitchen on the television, yes. Kells Kitchen. I really <laughs> like that one. But you have an international food offering right across the board there. But Michal, in a general sense, Being a man of business all your life and a successful man as well This last time has been a real, real challenge And especially in this sector as well uh, for you What do you feel today, you know, coming towards the end of 2021 With COVID on the rise again and doubts and questions, etc How are you feeling? Are you positive about the future?
4: Well, Jerry, you spoke to me on not one occasion, but several occasions I'm always positive because the day I get up and I'm alive, I'm positive So, I I mean, I'm positive about the future. I do think we have to live with COVID for the foreseeable future. I do think if we are responsible individuals, which most people are, to be quite honest about it, are responsible, I think we can live with this thing, and it will in time fade. I have no doubt. But people have to live their lives. And one of the ways that you know families get together is by sitting around a table, having a glass of wine and having a nice meal at a very good price a day, I say, in our place, and that they're not being ripped off. It gets them out of the hole. Let's be honest with it. Throughout this whole COVID thing, I was working all the way through. We were one of the frontline servers. We had to provide food for people. And even before that, I uh, was... Uh, sort of semi-lockdown was doing. I my building company was was involved in building it as well. So I was very, very busy. Uh, but I I am I am very hopeful indeed, Jerry. We have a most fantastic country. It's only when you travel that you realize the great country that we have. And I, I have been lucky enough as well to travel for business all over the world. And every time I come back, I thank God I'm back in Ireland, to be quite honest with you, And of course Kells. Need us to
3: stay. there you go Mihal McKeown is positive as ever listen I'm going to leave it there for today congratulations on your first anniversary at Park Re. good wishes to you and when the top, when I'm passing by I must give you a shout and drop in and we'll have a cup of coffee Gary
4: you're very welcome as is everybody from LFM we have a long history together Thank
3: you so much for the opportunity to talk. Not at all, Michal. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Michal McKeown there, wonderful businessman, talking about uh, a year and uh, a year that's been a challenge, but he's out the other side of it and he's moving on into year two and doing really good. Can't believe again it's that long since we've talked eight years. Late lunch, LMFM Radio we're staying in the Royal County next. I'm expecting a laugh or two, yes, because when he's on late lunch, there always is. Mr. Fred Cook, good afternoon.
5: Uh, Jerry, how are you? Are you as well? We're really well, but I have bad news for you. Oh, uh, no, not not, not, not now. <laughs> <What's the news? laughs> Stevie
3: Wonder suing you. Why? Why? Stevie Why Wonder's most famous
5: album is called Songs in the Key of Life. Of Life. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. this? I do know. I know the album very well.
4: I have it and I love it.
3: And, uh, but you're you're all right, Fred. You're all right. I'm only giving you a little heart attack. You, the key is the key here. Your key you know, is different to his key.
5: Exactly. And I was thinking that because he hasn't rang me in a long time, so I knew something was up. I don't know if you could find a telephone. That's, that's what I'm putting it down
3: to. <laughs> oh, be Jesus! I'll tell you. You can find more than the telephone. She's about 15 children. <laughs> <laughs> No bother to our Stevie. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you're you're in the
5: spirit store tonight with the show. Oh, Matt, I'm so excited. I'm back in Dundalk, home of the chords. Ah, right. and, fantastic. Uh, it's just it's lovely to be the other side of it, you know what I mean? And, yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, to be to be back in the road, back gigging. And you know what, I might I might even go to a nightclub tonight Ooh. after it. The day that it is. Hit on Doc. Fred Cook oh. in Ridley's. Oh, my word. It'll be packed <laughs> out
3: this <laughs> evening when they hear there's a superstar there. And is the good... <laughs> Julie which as well,
5: the good woman. She, you know what? She can't... Have oh, no. Paper. I've actually got Justine Stafford. Oh right, said, yes, but, uh, you know we know Justine. Justine, we yeah. know Justine. So,
3: so Julie, Julie is is, is is indisposed this evening, is she?
5: Unfortunately, yeah, she's there with Ted. So Oh uh, I see. So uh, she's back, back in carry at the moment. Good stuff, happens.
3: because I saw her. She, the, she. You're a pair of blackguards. She was, po- <laughs> she was posting about a 38 year old woman <laughs> heading for a disco for the first time at midnight last night. <laughs>
5: <laughs> she's amazing with those Instagram videos and she's so uh, popular but I never like she'll go down to the utility room and yeah. she'll do them with the <laughs> wall in the background do you know what I mean it's incredible like she's an incredible uh, mind and she would not even tell you about them until you look at Instagram and you see all these viral videos <laughs> she's
3: great so it's Justine her. Justine's with you tonight the brilliant Justine Stafford is there what time have the doors opening uh, in uh, some- doors
5: at had- my my show there's two shows tonight. So mine's at seven o'clock. Okay. store's at seven. Seven so when o'clock. I fin- it'll finish around nine o'clock, just in time to get home and watch the late late show.
3: My <laughs> kind <laughs> <Nine> of audience. <laughs> and then put on a bit of underarm stuff and head for the disco. I know what you're talking about. I know the story. I know, I do.
5: I know it well. But sure, I haven't I haven't been to a nightclub anyway, COVID or no COVID. Yeah. Like you know, people are talking about the shift. they will get shifts. I don't even know what shifting is. someone said to me. Did you shift anyone? I think it'd be like picking someone up and placing them somewhere else. Literally shifting them. That's The only thing shifting is, you know. And I'm getting a bit of panic with the gig tonight, so please do come to the gig tonight. I want to let you know that you still need to be double-jabbed on your cert. Okay. And your cert to be double-jabbed because a cousin of mine panicked. He rang me goes, right, I'm double-jabbed, but I don't have the leave in cert. I don't have it. <laughs> don't be mixing
3: up them certs it's the jab cert you need
5: is right he says you're grand the yeah.
3: junior cert's fine that's all you need come in with the junior you've you
5: uh, your entrance exam don't worry about it
3: if you've a cert from the uh, egg and spoon race at a, a, a sports day anywhere that'll do. no it won't you have to have the jab cert this evening. anyway 7 o'clock in the spirit store you can rock up there and pay on the door on the night as well this evening yeah, Here or, I, or at
5: spirit, spiritstore.ie as well, you can get, you get can your tickets right leave. Spirit
3: store.ie if you want to now laugh this evening to get out to a live gig get along to see Fred in the dock here I have another crow to pick for you the Mead people are up in arms you're a traitor wearing the Kerry jersey you're a traitor (laughs)
5: listen you know this I'm dyslexic I thought because they're the same colours I genuinely thought it was the Mead team it was either Mead or Leacham or Donegal I don't mind either one so maybe I'm like maybe I'm like one of those soccer players I've no interest in my upbringing I just follow the money, follow the ah. money.
3: <laughs> well listen I wish you well if you're following money all right in the GA at the minute <laughs> anyway we'll see what they're going to vote tomorrow for more money or not money as they say anyway that was, was all filmed well, it was filmed in the Gaelic Grounds in It was it with uh, it was yeah.
5: yeah it was you could see Lewis hospital in the distance mm. and uh, So it was great crack. You know that was that was the first indication that things are getting back to normal. As I was actually just in Stafford. I'm gigging with tonight, do it her and Joe Rooney as well and Bernard O'Shea. Yeah, it was just it was was mighty crack.
3: Ah yeah. you could see Awful it funny. you could see it anyway we'll we'll, we'll we'll give you a pass on that so we will on the Kerry short but don't forget ever where your roots are <laughs> but she's a young fella now with Kerry roots and uh, all sorts in him and uh, I know, yeah. who I, will he play I, for no, who think... will he play for come on tell me Fred
5: yeah, you'll, probably, you'll play for Cody <laughs> <laughs> I won't understand him. he would be fluted Irish he are like don't embarrass me Eddie. I'm like what is that the Muck and Eelock come in here I, is he Spanish or what I <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know. oh, so, uh, so he's going to play right, for Kerry.
3: Oh my God! Another loss to the Royal County. I but anyway,
5: you never know. well. He could be a goalie or he'll yeah. be a fullback.
3: Yeah, well, you know, every member of the team is very, very important. Anyway, I'm sure you're thrilled to bits to be back on the road again.
5: Oh, yeah, definitely, you know. And, you know, to be honest with you, I remember uh, saying to you beforehand, like, when March happened, I didn't mind that there was no gigs. I was like, look, we're all in the same boat. But now that I'm back gigging, Mm. I actually forgot how much I love it. Mm. You know, it's great. I just love driving to the gigs and I love love doing the gigs. And this shows where that I have, it's... do you know it's, it's, It could be my best show Yes I love it It's almost like The reason why Is because I've had Two years to think about it <laughs> <laughs> So he's packed everything
3: in For this show tonight Listen okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're going to be laughing From start to finish He's in the Spirit Store Tonight Seven o'clock Spiritstore.ie To get your tickets This afternoon And the wonderful Justine Stafford As well In support Wish you well It's always lovely To catch up with you
5: Great chatting you guys Take care, Fred.
3: God bless you. you. Bye-bye. Good luck this evening. He's a top man, Fred Cook. He really, really is. You just love him. He's uh, some crack, night, noon and morning. But there you are. You can see him this evening in Dundalk, seven o'clock in the Spirit Store. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Still to come on the show. I'm back in East Coast Cookery School. Yes, in the school with Tara Walker as we start our first episode of Seasonal Soups in a short while here on Late Lunch. Don't miss it. But taking us towards our next break on the show, it's the wonderful Abba, mamma mia I have
1: been cheated by you since I don't know when So I made up my mind it must come to an
3: end Well I have to say I have a smile from ear to ear. I cheered when I was coming in through the doors because I'm back with Tara Walker at East Coast Cookery School. Oh, Tara, it's been too long.
2: It's great to see you, Jerry. I know we've been talking by phone, but it's great to see you in person. <laughs> it really,
3: really is. And look at the kitchen here. She's all ready for us as well because Tara, we're doing a little series now with Tara over the coming weeks about seasonal soups. And Tara... October, November into December it's the time of year for them
2: Oh yeah Gerry like I really crave soups you know when it's cold if you're out, in the, out for a walk or out on the school run or whatever when you come home it's just lovely to have a warm soup for lunch or even for a light tea if you've had a big dinner in the middle of the day And uh, I mean, I love soup so much I have a whole chapter dedicated to soup in my cookbook. And my favorite way, we have set recipes for this series, but actually my favorite way to throw together a soup is just look at what's in the fridge and in the cupboard and just throw a few bits and bobs together. And a couple of the recipes we're doing today have come about as a result of that, you know.
3: When you talk about soup, you have to start, let's say, with a base or a stock or whatever. Talk to me about that. Is there a universal type of stock, you know, that you can make yourself? Or, of course, you have the, the instant cubes.
2: Exactly. Like, I mean, obviously, if you have a homemade chicken stock, if you've done maybe a roast chicken or something like that, that's great, fantastic. Um, if you don't, I prefer to use either callow or marigold stock cubes. And the marigold actually comes in a, in a little tub just because I just think they're a little bit more natural flavoured than some of the other ones and they don't have that kind of very salty flavour either. To be honest with you, if you get the real base, the base for me that's most important for the soup is sweating off the vegetables for a good bit of time early on. That's where all the flavour comes, that's where the caramelisation comes and to be honest, if you do that properly, you can just add water in then.
3: It's the first of our seasonal soups with tar today and you're starting with the classic vegetable soup.
2: Yes, I think everybody loves a vegetable soup, you know, and it's so warming and hearty. And it's great because you can just pop a few, whatever you have, you know, and those vegetables at the bottom of the drawer that are looking a bit limp or whatever, that you don't want for other things. They're perfect for that. So I'm going to start by sweating off a little bit of, oh, well, all my vegetables really. So the basic vegetable soup recipe, I have potato, leek and carrot, but actually like that, I had a little bit of cauliflower and broccoli left that was at the bottom of the drawer of the fridge. And I'm going to throw that in as well. So I'm going to start by sweating off my onion and then I'm going to add my carrot and my potato which are all chopped up quite small. So I have some butter foaming in the pot there.
3: As you can (laughs) hear.
2: And I'm going to add in my onions and then I will add my carrot and leek and potato in shortly. So give the onions just a couple of minutes because as always the onions are just that little bit more robust and they just need a bit more time. And as always a little pinch of salt going in with the onions now just to stop them from catching and burning.
3: Lovely. So your onion is in there sweating away with the olive oil and butter combined there and a little bit of salt in to prevent them. As I've learned here over the years from burning, it's a great tip I got from Tara. How long will you give those onions there?
2: I'm going to give these a good kind of five, six minutes now before I add my other vegetables in. For me, the longer you can sweat these vegetables down, the better flavour you're going to get from your vegetable soup. So over in total, overall, we're going to give the vegetables a good 15 to 20 minutes just sweating.
3: Okay, we let our onions work away there. So those onions have been sweating there. Oh, they look lovely, don't they? Lovely and golden.
2: They're lovely. So nice little golden. They're still slightly hard at the very, very centre. So now's a good time to get my potatoes in and my carrots. So I'm going in order of, you know, what takes the longest, basically. I have leeks here as well. But I'll wait a moment or two for the leeks. So just soften these potatoes and carrots down a little bit in those lovely caramelised bits at the bottom. And then we'll add the leeks in for the last moment or two before we um, add everything else in.
3: Great stuff so carrots and potatoes in there and I I notice you've cut them all basically around the same size that's important is it?
2: Yeah exactly so you want everything to kind of cook at the same time essentially and you don't want you know when you blitz up your soup you don't want little kind of raw lumps in there so it's a good idea just to cut everything more or less to the same size and then to cook everything in order of what takes the longest.
3: You know some people leave vegetables whole in the soup do you like to blitz it?
2: It depends. I love both. I love a broth with little kind of chunks in it and then I love a smooth soup as well. I love both. I'm going to, I was going to blitz this and we don't have to. Whatever you prefer. Blitzing it, I find, is less filling for me. That I think, I don't know, you have a more of a mouthfeel when you actually have something to, you know, a chunk to bite into. But then I find you probably get more veggies into you when it's blitzed.
3: And for children. It's a very good way of getting vegetables into children because I know an an awful lot of them are not veggie fans.
2: Absolutely. And my own daughter, like, she is a good eater. But um, if I were to give her all these vegetables in a broth, she probably wouldn't eat it. Whereas if I blitz it up, she'll love it.
3: Well, for late lunch listeners today, will you blitz it, please, when Uh, we get there? (laughs) I
2: certainly will.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Great, Tara. Great. Okay, so our... Big veg have been in there for a little while.
2: Yes, and they've softened down a little bit around the edges there. So now we're going to add our other bits and bobs. And at this stage, well, the leeks are kind of, you don't have to have leeks, but they are lovely in a kind of traditional vegetable soup. Mm. And you can add any other bits and bobs you want. So as I said, I had a bit of cauliflower and broccoli that was not looking its best in the fridge. So I'm going to pop that in as well. And any little kind of aromatics that you want now at this stage. So just some dried mixed herbs are fine. Or you can add, if you have some fresh herbs in the garden, I actually see I just happen to have a little bit of thyme here beside me, which I picked for something else. And just pop that in as well, a bit of fresh thyme. And then we're going to just sweat that down again for just a moment or two at this stage. And then I'm going to pop my stock in.
3: So these are the delicate end of things that we have here now. So they need less time, really.
2: Exactly yes these only need a couple of minutes and then they are going to be boiled up essentially in the stock so they will get longer to cook but it's just to, again it's all about the caramelisation I know I'm always saying it and um, but that's where you get the true flavour in something very savoury
3: great to be here going through the steps real time and seeing a master in action
2: oh well thank you very much look you can talk through recipes but there's nothing and that's what I've always believed in with the cookery classes there's nothing like actually seeing it in action it's not the same when you're just reading or talking about it and even just the smells and the Uh sounds it's the whole kind of all your senses isn't it
5: you're all
3: jealous out there because I'm experiencing those smells and the waff from the pot is absolutely beautiful. It is too true. But we believe we're giving you a real feel for the real thing here today with Tara. So you're just going to leave that for a few moments there now.
2: I am. I'm going to give it a couple of minutes there to caramelise and then I'm going to add the stock. And I've just remembered something, Jerry. You were asking me about whether we should blitz it up or whether we should have a chunky. If I'm keeping it chunky, I love to put, you know, the soup mix in, which has the, the little pieces of barley and lentils and all of that. And sometimes Yellow split peas or green split peas or whatever, and pop those in now at this stage. If you wanted it, so if you wanted to keep this chunky, and not blitz it, you could put those in now at this stage, and they're available. I mean, we can buy them in the centre and term fact, and they're available. It's an old-fashioned kind of thing, but it's a great way to get a bit of extra protein. in
3: you're dead right, and they're a staple part of our soups. I have to say at home as well, and they're for nothing, and they're so wholesome and good as well. They really add to a chunky soup.
2: They really, really do, and they give that bit of extra bite as well.
3: All of the veg now have had their time alone in there, and they're about. To be joined by something.
2: Yes look at that sir. look how golden they all are Look, at, and the smell is so nice. So now the stock is going in. Basically enough stock to cover the vegetables. And what I always say to people is add a little bit less liquid into your recipes than the recipe calls for because it's very hard if you've over diluted something to come back from that. You're trying to thicken it, you're trying to season it up more. So always hold back a bit of the stock and then you can add it in very very easily because some vegetables need more stock to absorb them if you know what I mean if they're harder than others.
3: And is that a veggie stock there?
2: Yeah, this is a vegetable stock, yeah.
3: Lovely, lovely. So how long are you going to leave that? It's just starting to bubble there, as you speak. You dim the sizzle with the stock going, and we heard it quietening there. You're going to bring it back to the boil, simmer it for how long?
2: It's probably only going to need about 10 minutes now at this stage simmering because it's had so long softening. Now, if you went the other way around where you didn't soften for so long, they'd probably take maybe 20 minutes to half an hour, depending on your veggies, um, to soften. So really, it's just to finish softening them now. We're
3: there it looks
2: like. <laughs> yes, so I'm just popping my knife into the carrots and the potatoes particularly, because they're kind of the harder of the vegetables in here. And my knife is going through them very, very easy. And you might think there's not enough stock there, because just about covering the vegetables. But let's blitz it up and see what the consistency is like.
3: I notice you just keep the blitzer tight down to the base of the pot, because I've been splattered a few times. <laughs>
2: that is a very good point, Jerry. Yes, make sure that... The blitzer is under the surface, if you see what I mean, because if you're on the top of the surface, it's just going to splash you and burn you.
3: (laughs) For sure. I've been that victim, I can tell you at times. Well done, Tara. What you said a moment ago is quite obvious now. There was plenty of liquid there.
2: Yeah, there was really. I mean, if I add a bit more in, it'll only be a tiny drop more. And then always just taste for seasoning before you start serving up. And you know, I always say to everybody, it's really important to taste your food before you serve up because... It's very frustrating if you've done your shopping, you've spent money, you've invested your time chopping and preparing everything, and then you get to the table and it's like, oh, this is a bit bland. Now is the time to adjust the seasoning. Mm. I'm going to add a little bit of salt in. And I'm going to add a tiny bit more stock in because it is a little bit on the thick side, but only a tiny bit more. I meant to mention I'm using white pepper for this recipe. And it's funny, I just think white pepper is lovely in certain circumstances, you know, just to give that little bit of fragrance without kind of the harshness of the black pepper. I just think it's a bit more fragrant, basically. I'm going to garnish up with a little, just a little drizzle of cream and it's not whipped cream so it will just kind of disperse into it but you can whip it if you want if you want to hold a shape with it and you can see i'm just pouring it onto a little teaspoon making a little bit of a shape there it's a smile it is a smile it actually does look like a smile doesn't it and then now this is optional it's just because i have them in the garden a few fresh freshly chopped chives a little bit of flat leaf parsley and of course a little bit well not of course i actually have a little bit of chai flour because the weather has been quite mild lately so there is a lovely little autumnal soup garnished with really nice little herbs It's simply gorgeous. It's such a fresh soup, I have to say. Yeah, well, it has really been helped by the fresh herbs, which I know are not always available for everybody, especially in the depths of winter. I think a soup like that, that's kind of a basic enough soup, really benefits from any extra little garnishes you can do. And often when you go to a restaurant and you this soup so delicious, if you really look at it a lot of the time, the garnish is what really elevates it. Throughout this series, we'll be garnishing all of the soups up nicely. And it just gives that extra little freshness when you taste it.
4: Tara, it's
3: great to be back at East Coast Cookery School. At long last, I'm so excited. I'm going to tuck into this bowl of soup and we'll be back soon with more seasonal soups from Tara Walker.
2: Great to see you, as always, Jerry, and in such a long time too.
3: <laughs> it really is. Thanks, Tara. Now, Louise, we're back to the riddle. Let me read it one last time. If a hen and a half lay an egg and a half in a day and a half, how many eggs will half a dozen hens lay in half a dozen days? Do you know something? <laughs> Stop. Caroline McCabe from Loben says, Jesus, Jared, Oh, Jerry, that's embedded in my head. My poor, late, lovely dad, God rest him, told me this over and over again. I think the answer is, yes, you're right, Caroline. You're right. The answer is two dozen, Louise. The answer's two dozen. And the winner today is Jacinta Grant from Kilcurry. Well done to you, Jacinta. And everybody else who got it right. You're not happy. No, I don't think... <laughs> I'm not the only one not happy. Why? I'm not the only one thinking Why? that. I thought it was a joke, to be honest. Why? There's no such thing as half an egg. Oh, God. Half a <laughs> Frankie a Horan thinks the same there and somebody else. Jared Kavanagh. O- <laughs> Jared Kavanagh says that too. Dominic O'Halloran says 54. Sorry, Dominic. No, no. Off the mark there. Uh, Bernie thought it was none was the answer. In your theories in your world, <laughs> you could be right, Bernie. But you see... There's only one man with the uh, overall right. say in here at the minute. Somebody else said nine, 27. Oh, no, it was two dozen. You see, if you increase both the number of hens and the amount of time fourfold, the number of eggs increases 16 times and it becomes 16 by one and a half, which is 24. Two th- it all makes sense. No. It all makes absolute Sense need a paracetamol <laughs> <laughs> have a scrambled egg for mm. just it'll do you good that helps as well I will think of that riddle every time you I, will I go it's a good one I loved it it's just the, the play on words as well anyway I'm going to conclude my Boomtown Rats story after three David Sheehan looks ahead to the weekend in sport but taking us to news weather and sport at three o'clock well I suppose the song is a bit right apologise not a chance the riddle's the riddle 24's the answer Put that in your pipe and smoke it.
5: I'm holding on your robe, got me ten feet off the ground.
3: Now, my artists of the week are Boomtown Rats, and there's little doubt uh, the Rats made significant impact on the music scene for a time in the late 70s and early 80s, in the era of punk and new wave music. Beyond that time, however, their influence waned, and little in the way of new music or songs had any impact. ...on the charts. And really, they went their ways, as I said yesterday... ...until they uh, reformed and came back together as a four-piece. However, Bob Geldof remains in the spotlight today... ...but for a myriad of other reasons... ...especially his continued work... ...on behalf of the less fortunate all over the world. Rounding off my week of rats... ...it's back to that wonderful album, A Tonic for the Troops... ...released in June 1978... ...and a track that made number one in the UK... For two weeks in November 78 Making it the first punk new wave song To top the charts About a boy called Billy there
5: was a lot of going on that
3: night. Boomtown Rats and Rat Trap Bringing the curtain down on my Featured Artist of the Week The Boomtown Rats this week coinciding with Irish Music Month here on LMFM Radio and across the country Incidentally uh, Geldof came back and did a cover version of that song with the unbelievable Dustin the Turkey. What was he thinking? It was a hit in Ireland It really was Anyway Strange things happen don't they? They really do. I'll bring you uh, my uh, Artist of the Week again from Tuesday here in Late Lunch. Yes, we're off on Monday for the bank holiday, but we'll have another week of Irish artists here next week from Tuesday to Friday, around about this time as usual on the show. Up next, it's a big weekend in sport and GA and soccer here at home and across the water. And looking ahead to all the action with me in a moment or two, is our man David Sheehan. Big weekend of sport ahead, locally, nationally, and internationally. And we're going to begin right at home here today with soccer with David Sheehan, presenter of Sunday Sport. David, welcome back. Thanks, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for joining us again this Friday. Well, let's begin with soccer, the League of Ireland, and the FAI Cup. First up, the FAI Cup semi final. Dundalk looking to make it to another decider. They're up against Pats. Pats of home advantage. How do you see this one going?
0: Yeah, well, I think what's what's going to be great about this is uh, it's going to be 5,000 capacity sellout. The restrictions have been listed, so St. Pass will be able to welcome a full crowd to Richmond Park and a few A-supporters in there as well, unlike uh, some other <laughs> grounds we could mention. But it's going to be a fantastic occasion. Dundalk going for an incredible seventh final in a row, which is it was really unbelievable stuff from them. But the whole is, of course, as we know, going to be a really interesting game. Uh, they've met three times already. There's been one draw and then one win apiece. Pat's beaten 2-0, actually, at Richmond Park earlier in the season. And then they won 4-1 at Orioles. So hard to call this one. Um, they're missing John Melton through injury, former Dundalk player, of course, and some is suspended. For Dundalk, the key thing, I think, will will be whether Pat Hoobin is fit. He's an injury doubt, so if he doesn't play, that's going to be a big blow. However, David McMillan is back to fitness, and he scored those two goals when they won earlier on in the season in Richmond Park. So it should be a cracking game, and it's a really hard one to call. I, I think Dundalk might just sneak it. Pats are a bit up and down, but... Really hard one to call, Derry. I wouldn't like to be staking too much on it, but I'm going to give them Doc a, a vote of confidence here to get to the second final, just
3: about. In the league, Drogheda played Derry on Sunday, and it's a big, big game because this is their second last home game, and then they have four away in the run in. Between themselves and Derry this year, there hasn't been a lot to choose.
0: Well, there hasn't really been. I mean, it was a one-all draw earlier in the season. Um, they lost then at home just before the mid-season break, Drahada, and then they were beaten 3 0 up at the Brandywell uh, the last time they met. But well, Drahada were down to their bare bones that day. I was at that game, they had four players named on the bench. They were really struggling with injuries and suspension and stuff like that. So they're back to full strength now at the moment. They've everybody back fit, with the exception probably of Jake Hyland. Uh, but they got Chris Lyons back on uh, the last few games, and he played last week, got a full game under his belt against, or got most of a game under his belt against Longford. So they have a full squad to pick from Drahada. As you said, Jerry, every game we've talked for the last few weeks, every game for Drahada is so important. I mean, they're only, what, six points off the European places, but they're only, they're only what, uh, six points or so, four points, I should say, off the, the bottom two. So it's such a, such a tight table, and every point is is valuable. The big game, I suppose, between these two sides, this and then a the controversial one, was the APR Cup game, which went all the way to penalties. Um, so as you said, not much between them during the season, with the exception of that 3-0 defeat up in Derry earlier in the year going to be a tough. barrier pushing for Europe. They're really going strong for that. They have a lot of new players coming in next season. If they were to get European football, it would be huge for them. Um, I think a draw here would be a good result for, for draw. I think they just need to start to, to keep picking points up. As you said, few away games to come, but maybe they could sneak a win tonight. I think it would be tough, but I think a point wouldn't be a bad outcome for them.
3: Over the water this weekend, it's one of the big games of the season in the Premier League. Manchester United, welcome Liverpool to Old Trafford.
0: Manchester United getting out of jail a little bit uh, during the week against Atalanta in the European Cup I think, um, you know for all the talk about going Gunnar Solskjaer and whether he should stay or go, you can't deny that it's been very entertaining to see Manchester United under him, Like you just don't know what's going to happen the game the other night, they were 2-0 down at half time they could have been 2 all at half time they could have been up ahead at half time they ended up winning it with that late header from Ronaldo Liverpool had the win over Atletico Madrid during the week as well, so coming into it on, on the back of a good win, both sides are Um it's going to be a hard one to call. I know a lot of Manchester United fans and pundits are very worried about the, the midfield for Manchester United and what Liverpool might do to them. On form, and, you know, if you're just looking at it objectively, you'd have to fancy Liverpool for that one. Um, but you just don't know what Manchester United are. They're, they're, they're so unpredictable. Uh, it could go either way, but I think sense the call would be to say Liverpool to win that one.
3: On to GAA now, and it's senior semi-final weekend in the Royal County. On Sunday, retote going for three in a row face Wolf Tones, but first up, tomorrow... Dunboyne taking on Dunamore Ashbourne. How do you see these semis going, David?
0: The the short answer is I see Dunboyne and Ratoad coming through. And um, the game tomorrow is probably of the two of them you'd have to say it was probably be a closer one. I, I'd expect Toad to beat Wolf Tones. We'll get to that one in a second. But you know, Dunham or Ashbourne beats uh, Gail Colin in the quarter final, which would have been a bit of an upset. Gail Colin Kale been knocking really hard on the door in the last number of years and they would have been expected to progress to a semi final in that one, but they were beaten by Dunmore Ashbourne. So a bit of a local derby now against Dunboyne, but Dunboyne had a fairly impressive win over St. Columb Hills in the quarter final. They've been there, thereabouts the last number of years as well. So I think Dunboyne will just have a little bit too much for Ashburn in that one. And then on Sunday, you have Ratoat, as we've talked about before, going for three in a row. Wolf Tones came through against Nafina the last day. Uh, Ratoat came through against Summerhill, which is a good win for them and a narrow win. I think, you know, most people will probably fancy Ratoat to come through that one. I wouldn't totally write off Wolf Tones. They certainly are capable of pulling off a surprise but I think that the sensible money will be on Ratholt if they perform to their levels they should get through that one
3: So Dunboyne and favoured by David for the final in Mead. Now there are two finals in County Loud the weekend the junior final is on Saturday and Tully Allen's Glen Emmets taking on the John Mitchells the Emmets are in the final nearly every other year
0: This will be their sixth since 2011 so they're they're no strangers to the big occasion Down from intermediate uh, last year so they'll very much be the favourites you know they won the Division 3A league earlier this season but the big controversy, as you would have seen yourself, Jerry, was there was no promotion with the whole COVID situation. That was a really controversial call from the Loud County Board, and it was something that really annoyed Glenn Emmett. So you can be sure, whatever motivation they would have had anyway coming into this one, they will be really determined to get that silverware to go back up to intermediate. Very much the favourites, as I said. The Mitchells haven't been in the junior final since 1998 when they completed the junior league and the junior championship and league double. They had a one-point win, win over the in the semi-final. That would have been a bit of an upset as well. So uh, you know great for the ventures to be there but the, again the, the smart money here would be on Glen so I think they'd be, they'd be heavy favourites for that one and I'd expect them to go back up to Intermediate at the first attempt
3: and on Sunday rounding off the finals this weekend Cooley Kickhams will be very eager to get back to senior football where they believe they belong they're up against St. Fekins who've been knocking on the door in recent years in or around the final of the Intermediate Grade how is this going to go?
0: It's a tough on the to call, probably, Jerry. Like, Cooley, they're in their first uh, first chance to go back to the senior. Like, they've been four years in intermediate now. They would have been perennial contenders, as you would remember, but going back a number of years in the senior final, it's never quite got over the line. Um, so they'll be determined to try and get back up after four years in intermediate. Um, so they've had a, a good win. They've had a, a decent run of it. They have had three eye-catching wins over the O'Reilly, to Young Ireland and Kilcourley. So, decent opposition to, to come through those ones. Uh, Rob Carney, of course, interesting side note, came on as a soul against the Young Ireland hasn't, hasn't featured in the other games, but maybe get a, we'll get an appearance on Sunday. The seconds certainly the favourites, a um, big scoreline they ran up against the Hunterstown, in, Hunterstown Rovers in the semi-final, 123, and not that day. So, you know, they lost the Intermediate Finals in 2014 and in 2018 as Eugene Judge, the manager, and they've got Owen Duffy and Bevan Duffy in their in their ranks as well. So, going to be, I'd say, close enough on this, but I fancy the seconds to come through in that one as well
3: there you have it lots of sport to keep us going over the weekend as usual David Sheehan who will be in the hot seat for Sunday Sport on Sunday thanks David thanks Gerry yes David Sheehan are looking ahead to all the action over the weekend and there's plenty on and mention the Feckins there's more than the um, the senior men's team in the Feckins in a final Louise yeah? yes
1: the ladies are playing on Sunday
3: great and there's um, another team there in a final I think
1: that's next week hmm and think there's the men there's under 17 all and right. the okay. ladies okay
3: god they're going great at every yeah. fantastic
1: it's, it's all the fer- all well.
3: it's, it's the ferriters you see since they got in there and joined the club they're making such a difference they made really the others are.
1: run faster in the other direction <laughs> and
3: Charlene Matheson and her crew as well come over from Hartlepool in Scotland there that's what it's all about adding a bit of steel anyway good luck to everybody in finals and matches over the weekend hope it goes your way and it's a good contest and may the best man or woman win anyway that's our lot on lake lunch for another week want to say a big thank you to all our guests who joined us every day to you our listeners for tuning in wherever you are we love to have you with with us on the show we're off on monday as i said for the bank holiday but we're back on tuesday with a packed week from then until friday eddie caffrey's coming next with the drive and i want to say a big thank you of course to my producer louise walsh i couldn't do it without without her every day when she's not here i really miss her do you miss me when i'm not here you're such a liar <laughs> i'm not look at me tongue there's no black it's mark glass. in that tongue there is in our neck anyway thanks for everything I always say it anyway really appreciate everything you do I couldn't do this without you anyway have a lovely weekend everybody enjoy the bank holiday be safe take care mind yourselves the uh, pandemic is still happening out there take care as best you can and enjoy life to the full as best you can in the circumstances see you Tuesday 1.30 for late lunch new week bye
1: bye the late lunch with Blackstone Motors Drada and Cabin Let
2: Blackstone Motors find the perfect car for you. With over 300 cars to choose from, we have the biggest selection of pre-owned cars in Drada and Cabin. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See BlackstoneMotors.ie for more details